What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 4.11. I'm your host, Jim, and I'm joined by the host of our hit show, Full Circle Jack Smith, and the host of The Sheriff, Kyle Warner. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Quick shout out to the affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. While you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. Boys, Flyers just finished up their roadie. I want to know how we're feeling after that three-game uh, Western Canadian trip, how we're feeling overall. We do have a special guest coming on in uh, about 15 minutes. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of keep that a secret until he comes on. Uh, but how are we feeling about the trip, boys? Not too bad. I mean, you went out west. It's the first long road trip of the year. And historically, we have not been good out west, especially up in the, the Canadians area over there. Um, but uh, three or two and one in a three game road swing. Uh, it's not too bad. I'll take it. I'll take I'll take two wins. It's hard to argue that, especially considering who they played. Uh, I'd be doing backflips right now if the Calgary game didn't leave such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, it was pretty rem- reminiscent of last year outside of getting blown out. Uh, I don't consider the way that game unfolded to be a blowout, even though it says 4 nothing. Um, but, yeah, to go into the Edmonton game, I mean, just to, that, they were undefeated. So to get that win was key. Hart looked great. Atkinson's a, a stud, especially that goal with – what 0.6 seconds remaining. Oh yeah. That was, nice. um, then Marty Jones goes in against Vancouver. They pull a tight one out there. How could, and that's back to back games. How could you not be feeling good? And then, you know, on Saturday, tough Calgary team. I, mean, I think they're six, one and one now. Uh, they just, they came to play. The flyers were like, we're done with this road trip. We're ready to come home. So, <laughs> you know what? You got the return of ghosts tomorrow. The Oh, eight and one, I believe mm-hmm. uh, Arizona coyotes. So if they smoke them, then I will be right back on, you know, I mean, I'm still feeling pretty good, but that I'm still a little sour from that Calgary game, but ultimately uh, it's a tough division. So I don't like to see them not show up to games, but they got a lot of points, which was important as Kyle alluded to. They don't tend to bring back a lot of points when they return from the West coast. So is anybody as interested to see if there is some kind of rivalry between the guys who are still here and ghost? I mean, Everybody always said the same thing, like, oh, yeah, he's a good teammate, blah, 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 blah. But we all kind of had a feeling that he was a shithead. So is there just a slight chance that somebody It'll be goes at it with him? Say. I don't I, think it's going to be as bad as Mark Friedman, but maybe there's something with certain players. So many uh, guys are off the roster t- as well, too. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's true. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who he was friends with or whatever. But I mean, now that I think about it, probably not. Because remember, he got traded and he's wearing his jersey, but he was still practicing with the team. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was yeah. So I, I feel like if they really disliked him, that there's no way that would have happened. So yeah, it's in probably. denial. Like more people in the media and fans hate dislike him more than anything else. Yeah, not some fans. Oh yeah, well, there's always sixty-five be, point player. Gonna to... be, uh, you know. <laughs> Some people still live in 2000. What was that? 16, 17, 18. How is he doing over there? Let me uh, just bring up a stat real quick. They have yet to win a game of regulation, but if he's got like. He leads the team in points. There you go. When your team leader. (laughs) Definitely a minus. Five points. (laughs) Yeah, let me see actually. Five points in nine games, minus five. 
yeah. So those five points mean jack shit because you gave you, up five. <laughs> you know, you know, you're a bad team when Shane Gosses Bear is third on the team in time on ice, average time on ice. That is bad. But the players to watch are Keller, Strawman, Larson, Kraus. No ghost. <laughs> I don't understand that one. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I forgot. Like when I hear when I heard the Coyotes are coming to town, I I didn't think Ghost at all. I thought we were reason. going there. Are they coming here? We're yeah. coming here because I'll game? be there game? tomorrow. That's right. Oh, yeah, in the box, first time Rep- HW. Oh no, not a box in Jack. Oh no, <laughs> Jack not a box. <laughs> and Ghost is playing. Oh no. Oh no. You so, can't yeah, cheat. You can't cheer in the box, played. Jack. Yeah, I'm gonna make you a can't boom press by. Can't yeah. Um, if they if they lose miserably tomorrow, especially with Ghost playing, he's yeah, not wrong. You're, you're done. You're not going back to any more games. <laughs> <laughs> gonna one suck for dunk. HW. I'm the only one allowed to go. <laughs> um, yeah, five nine games played. He has five assists uh, for five points. He's a negative five. Yeah, not great, not good. But he does yeah. leave. He got he beat Cody Keller by one point. He's got three goals, one assist. But they're both minus fives. Jacob Chickering's a minus 15. Oh, boy. Wait, he's a minus 15 already? Chickering is not a ghost, but that's oh what it says. God. We yeah, should definitely trade for him. <laughs> Things are not. Oh, good. eight and one. That's the record to date. I want to ask yeah. you guys a little bit about uh, this road trip here, if, uh, if I can. If Because you know the Flyers went up there and they – they beat Edmonton, and it wasn't a lucky win, right? I wouldn't call it lucky at all. I mean, they scored five goals. They somewhat contained McDavid. He only scored once and had one assist. Um, they won 5-3. Hard, I thought, looked great. Uh, I was, you know, riding high a little bit after that win. I expected them to go in and beat Vancouver. They did. You know, they, they score five goals to one night, win with offense. They scored two goals the next, win with defense. Martin Jones looked great. I want to talk about the Calgary game a little bit. Because I want to, I want to know like what this game kind of meant for you guys. Um, in my opinion, you know, I don't know if any, if any of the viewers or listeners have checked out our power rankings over here or checked out some of the off-season moves articles I wrote uh, and and what I wrote about the Calgary Flames. But this is a team that obviously has the skill and guys like Gaudreau, Monahan, Kachuk. You know, there's a there's a a, a couple guys over there, Lindholm. Uh, you know, you add this coach, Daryl Sutter, who I get the sense a lot of people aren't crazy about, but he won two cups, I believe, in yeah. L.A. Yeah. And I think over the offseason, they added uh, some bigger bodies, guys like Blake Coleman, uh, two more guys. Their names are escaping me now. Well, Pitlick. They got Pitlick. Pitlick. Yeah. Like Pitlicker. They bulked <laughs> up. They became a team that's hard to play against and a team that has skill. And I kind of was like, you know what? This team, Calgary, could be a dark horse. And they, I think they just came off a five-game road trip before they played the Flyers, um, a road trip in which they never trailed at any point, you know? And you look at the teams they played, and they're like, eh, so-so, you know? But that's pretty hard to do, to not trail for a single second in, in five straight games, on the road, no less. So coming into this game against the Flyers, I was kind of like, mm, this is, you know, kind of a test for the flyers and uh to see them come out kind of flat right away was kind of like all right well can't really count this as a test anymore because they don't look like how i expected them to look right out of the gate you know maybe they had too many sodas the night before at the halloween parties the costume parties 
Uh, maybe it was because of third game in four nights. I don't know. But they didn't look like the team that we were used to watching. How much of that had to do with the way the Calgary Flames play? I don't know. Let's see when they play again. But I want to know for you guys, did 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 losing 4 nothing to the Flames, um, did it kind of change the way you see this team? Or are you still kind of riding high, Jack? I kind of got your answer a little bit there. Like, yeah, it hurt your your outlook just a little bit. You know, you're still kind of high on the Flyers, but, you know, you need to see a couple wins now. Uh, Kyle, did that loss, that 4 nothing loss to Calgary, did that do anything for your outlook on the Flyers right now? Not at all. Not at all. Honestly, listen, you're going to lose games. You're going to run into hot teams. And when you're on the tail end of an extremely long road trip like that, and I'm not talking about 10 games on the road, I'm talking about three games very far from home in distant areas. You know, you're not used to where you are. You're not getting the same practice time. You just played. This is your third game in four nights while being this far away. Coming out flat, kind of expected it. Calgary is absolutely red hot right now. I believe that was their sixth or seventh win in a row when they beat us. So, I mean, you come into their barn, you know they're going to be ready to play. It's a routine night for them. For you, not so much. Like I said, you've been on the road now. It didn't really leave that bad of a taste in my mouth. Yeah, would I like to have seen more from them? Absolutely. Are you going to also lose games this year? Sometimes probably not very pretty ones. Yeah, that's a part of playing 82 games. You're going to lose them. You're going to lose a couple in that fashion. So, no, not really. Uh, how they react coming home playing an 0-8 team will tell me more about this team than losing to a red-hot Calgary team in Calgary at the end of a road trip. Hmm. There's there's merit to that for sure. You can't not going to go 82-0, obviously. I just think I see a difference, and a lot of it actually does have to do with how they respond tomorrow. I'm kind of glad they're playing Arizona and not like a Rangers or Capitals team, which they'll play soon, or another red hot team. Um, it just it was it irks me that they didn't lose the game. It wasn't a good game that they lost. It was a, a, across the board outside of the goaltending, a, t- a horrific game. Like they they they. Calgary almost doubled the amount amount of shots, or they almost beat the Flyers just in the second period on shots. The Flyers had the whole game. Like they doubled them up in the first period. They could dribble them in the second. And in the third, where the Flyers needed to do anything and they still didn't score, they still beat them by a few shots. And I, that's just shots. I just saw their power play was not, it was over three, non existent, and their penalty kill gave up two. And it just was, it just, they didn't look like the same team. And yeah, they were on the West Coast, could be tired. And I expected a lot of that on Twitter when they lost and whatnot. And it's so early in the season. But um, I don't know. A part of me sees what separates us from being a bubble playoff team, maybe um, first round playoff team to some of these other teams that are just like taking the, you know, the ball and running with it. Uh, they were without Ellis. That should be noted. He's a big piece that makes that team go. It shouldn't be too harsh. Uh, same time, expected a better effort than that because the goaltending showed up and everybody's real quick to shit all over them. Um, well, let's talk about the goaltending for a second, Jack. Real quick, um, Carter Hart, 2.79 goals against average for the season through five games, uh, 0.915 save percentage. And Martin Jones, surprising everybody, only two games played, but 2.01 goals against average and a 0.941 save percentage. How surprised are you guys with martin jones's play 
And do you think it can continue? Did Kim Dillaball, the goalie whisperer, did he fix Martin Jones already? I think, um, I don't know how much it can continue as if, if they start relying on Jones to win more games than he should be playing. I think it'll bite you in the ass. I think that him in that role with the ability to come in every second or third game and get a little more comfortable. Whereas in San Jose, it was, Hey, you had a shit game, but guess what? You're playing again tonight. So good luck. You know, you never really had the chance to get comfortable. And as we've seen so far with San Jose and all the things that are going on with that hockey club, I meant like off the ice wise. I don't know how healthy that locker room was last year. I don't know. I don't know the situation. Um, pleasantly surprised, though, that in this limited role that he's actually blossomed into it. That's. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I was a little nervous that we lost <laughs> Brian Elliott. Dude. <laughs> and, no. then that they, and then that they went and got Martin Jones. It was like, oh, God, here it we just, go. The whole thing was like, I don't see how a goalie coach can turn a, a guy's career around. You don't relearn how to play goalie. But right now, it's making me look pretty stupid. I'm happily, happily to look stupid in this regard because he looked good against Boston. You know, we we're like, oh, God, here comes Marty Jones of Boston. We win that game. And then we got a little score to settle, settle with Vancouver. And if you watch that game, I watched a good portion of that game. The say, He gave up a goal early, but we had already scored so early. The game was still tied. He was everywhere he needed to be to make saves. Like, he wasn't making any desperation saves. He was just already there, which is all you can really ask. And when it's coming from your backup, you end up winning, eking out a 2-1 to away game. You know, that really had me thinking, like, whoa, whoa, we have a good hockey team here. We can – we can win the high-scoring games. We can win these tight games with our backup goalie, mind you, also without Ryan Ellis. You know, they, they had five power plays, uh, Vancouver, and they went over five. You know, they got some talented guys on that team. They may not be a full team yet, but they got a lot of guys who can put the puck in the net between your Elias Pettersons, your Quinn Hughes, your Brock Besters. Like they got guys who know how to score. And Martin Jones nearly came away with a shutout, just an early gaff, but he went the rest of the way. You know, the 43 minutes, maybe 53 minutes, uh, pretty much shot out hockey. And they they pulled a very important two points in what our division is going to be super tough. You're going to need those points. I would have to agree. And they they could use Ryan Ellis, I think, a little bit. Oh, you know? yeah, I think? Um, so Absolutely. news came out. News came out that he's week to week we don't really know what's going on with them um but you know like martin jones and, and carter hart they're doing this without the number one defenseman the flyers as a team went two and one western canada without ryan ellis that's not to say that they don't need him because eventually you're going to notice that he's not out there when you play the higher skilled teams against calgary Especially when think... you see 61 out there you're like <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's been playing well he's been, he's he's been, been playing very well he's been playing okay but is it sustainable i don't think any of us want to find out right <laughs> um so it, yes it was announced that uh or elaine Bigneault was quoted as saying the injury he guesses it's more week to week now because he's obviously not back after the uh it's been a week i think or a week and a half since he was expected to be day to day or whatever so yeah. i are bring in hurdle baby <laughs> I own him. Go get Hurdle. Bring in Vlasic, whoever the hell. Fit him in the cap somehow. <laughs> bring in Carlton, you know. Just fuck it. First, <laughs> I just broke my F-bomb streak. It's been like six months. 
Well, Jim, I'm really going to break your F-bomb street when I tell you that San Jose, while they have one more game played, they have more points than the Flyers right now. So that trade is uh, – it's early, I know, but it's very unlikely if they keep at this pace. It is. It is. And I hate uh, to break your heart here, Jack, but uh, Cole Caulfield's now in the minors. Is he? Yeah, yeah. I already swapped him out in fantasy. But if you look at if you look at Montreal, it is anything but his fault. That team is a joke from top yeah, to man. bottom. They are uh the GM's gonna get fired. Like it is it is a catastrophe. It is, yeah. Montreal uh we are two and eight. Out. Two and eight. As we all expected. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I expected them to be better. You know well, what I great for him. Great for Caulfield now. There's you go for it. You know what I didn't consider about Montreal when, you know, obviously the loss of Shea Weber is massive, right? So I think we all kind of took that into account. Losing carry price is, is pretty big, but if you have a solid team in front of you, like you can get away with an average goalie. The loss of Philip Dano for Montreal is it's it's almost like gutted them a little bit. Cause this I think it's leaving. Corey Suzuki. Perry doesn't help either. Right, Corey Perry. It's it's leaving Suzuki like a little bit more exposed to play against some of the the lines that maybe he wasn't playing against before because he's not off to a great start. I think there's I Still think there's big, time, there's big time trouble Very I think young. in Montreal right now. It's gonna be bad, bad. Well, season. we know when a team wins the cup that a lot of their players get signed elsewhere. Look at Tampa. We saw them lose their whole third line, and the year before that, you lose guys here and there. Um, but they always say that there's like the team that goes to the cup. This isn't any sport. The team that goes to the championship and loses, it's a very small chance they go back because it's just hard to go that far and lose. But also, some of your players get paid like they won the cup because they were pretty much there. And if they're a player and they're like, Deneau's a perfect example when you see the deal he signed. And it's just, it's like, you know, you, you're going to get plucked too and it's going to hurt your depth. And when we look at that Montreal team, were they really all that good, you know, outside of lightning in a bottle to begin they with? Very, yeah, they weren't very deep. No, that's and for sure. Relying then, on young players playing with a team that's already hot, you know, it's it's just that combination. You lose your starting goaltender for, for it's not like you got hurt. It's like really tough stuff, you know. And then Weber, if you listen to some GMs, they're like, he should have been out of the year league like a couple of years ago. We're surprised he lasted as long as he did. So those wheels are ready to come off. I feel like uh, who's they the, lose Kakaniemi or something? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, he went to he went to Carolina. Who is? Undefeated. Red hot. 8-0? Red hot. 8-0. Eight, eight they are red hot. And he's playing good hockey for them, too. You got to remember, they they scouted him because Shmestikov was their pick at two. Cockney-Emmy went three in that draft. So you know they had plenty of scouting reports on him. They've liked him for a while now. Kudos to him, man, because they're looking real smart. And Montreal, who was everybody's darling last year, is looking real stupid. I got two things I got to say. One is an admission of guilt. But the first thing is... Jonathan Druin, I think, slipped during an interview. I want to say maybe it was a French one, a French interview. I, I didn't go back and look anything up, but it was on Twitter, and I thought, huh, that's interesting. He he had mentioned in an interview that Shea Weber has retired, and nothing's official or anything like that. Um, I I think they LTIR'd him. Do you guys know if that's right? I can go back and look right now. I would now. imagine they did because he's out. he was all re- – before the season even started, he was ruled out for the season. Yeah. Okay. He's so, and, yeah. And he's like not really near the end of his deal, right? Like he signed for a couple more years. Well, I'm, when did the you Flyers guys on the sign him? Because it's that me. deal. When did, 14 when, years, baby. 14 yeah. years. What was the deal the Flyers signed him to? He is signed until 
2025-26 at 7.857 million per 9.6% of their cap, and he is on the LTIR. Well, I mean, that, or if he's out, they're going to be able to use that money. It's not like they signed him over 35 or they're going to be screwed. <laughs> but the other part of that is, I think, if he was to come out and say he retired, like make it official, I it think would that would, it would screw over Nashville, I think. Yes, I read that too. It would screw over Nashville because so, of when they traded him or something like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I want, I'm Wouldn't interested to see. Both? Montreal I won't screw I Montreal if he they signed the deal when he was over 35 years old. That you can't hide that money. Right. He and signed it because Nashville traded him. I don't know how old he was or is. That has something is a cap recapture, a penalty cap recapture, well, something like that. Nashville I heard it was really, con- yeah, Nashville really signed contract. Really contract. Yeah. Which is one reason we thought they traded Ellis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Dude, and probably gonna trade it, other man. guys, depending on how they do. That's insane, man. All right, now for my admission of guilt. So I was a big Oh, I was really boisterous. Is that a word? Boisterous? I, I voiced my now. opinion bigly about the Carolina Hurricanes having an absolutely putrid offseason. And what's the word? What's what's that thing? I'm eating crow right now. Yeah. You're yeah. making me eat crow, and that's fine. I don't I don't like the Hurricanes, so I'm not gladly eating this crow. I hate that I'm eating it. I hated their offseason, and they're eight and out. So good for the good for the Carolina Hurricanes. As much as who I'm is, right, which is all the time, I, I I admit when I'm wrong sometimes. Who is their goalie right now? Uh, I wanted to bring that up, Kyle. I'm so glad you brought that up because the HW Beauties in the fantasy league I'm running drafted uh, Frederick Anderson as well as Igor Shosturkin, and we are three and zero with the most points scored in the league. So yes, thank you. So yes. Frederick Anderson behind that defensive line like or pairings. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah he's showing dividends well. for sure. They look like studs. I didn't think it would pay off this greatly already, but that is a big reason why I think they're, uh, they are where they are. It's not Peter Morazic back there. It's a guy who actually is a starting goaltender in the league. And wow. What do you know? Yeah. He's playing really well. It makes you wonder like what the hell's Toronto doing? You know, because uh, they're up there with frigging Jack Campbell and they let Freddie Anderson walk. Um, yeah. They're Toronto a mess. is a whole nother thing we could talk they're about. They're a mess. Toronto? They want, yeah, they're, they're just garbage, dude. I love, they never, I love it. They had the same issue every year. It's like Toronto and defense is the Flyers and goaltending for the last uh, forever. <laughs> Great analogy. It is. I can uh, I can I can only think of like one or two Toronto defensemen that were any good. And like, do you guys even remember Thomas Caberlet? Like, oh yeah, how long oh, ago yeah. he played? Like, Didn't the Flyers won him for Lindros or something. They've always wanted him. They've always wanted for Lindros. Him and, him and, like, and Andrew Carter. Right? Like they oh, they were always after him. Yeah. Remember and before Andrew? that, like, I don't know. Like they had Panuff for a while, but they, it was that's when he started to suck. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can't really outside of a, a pure defensive defenseman. Uh, you're right. It's a good analogy with the goalies. Something I wanted to bring up before our guest comes on, who's running a little bit late, but he said, uh, give him a couple minutes here. Looking, at, We're looking at a guest around 725 for those who are only watching for the guest. Hurts our feelings, but hey, it's okay. At least you're watching. Um, I want to bring this up before he comes on. The Flyers, even though they, you know, they're taking too many penalties, since October 18th against Seattle, They've given up 24 penalties, or they've taken 24 penalties. 
and they've killed off 21 of 24. Yes, they're taking too many, but we're not really talking about that a lot. Maybe because it's early in the year, but the PK looks pretty good. You know, like maybe because the PK, the PK for the first time in years has been dangerous going the other way. Oh yeah, like they're a threat to score. And a lot of that's Faraby. Uh, uh, come on, what's yeah. his name? Atkinson got at least one. Yeah, so much fun to watch. But have you guys noticed this this penalty kill, or is it kind of like yeah, they're just doing their job? That's what they're supposed to do. I didn't know that there was the numbers were that good. Um, but it also is a testament to their goaltending because your greatest penalty killer is your goalie, you know, and you know, they're not leave hanging them out to dry and they are more dangerous and a good defense is a good offense. So I can't argue that, but, um, yeah, 21 out of 24 and the cracking game was the second game of the season. So yeah. they played what eight games, seven games. That's fantastic. That's exactly what you need. So uh, it's good because we were a little worried in preseason. Um, and they've seemed to turn things around at least for now. And if they're going to be taking this many planalies, they're going to have to kill them off. So, Let's hope they take less regardless because uh, they haven't been the most disciplined team, but this is what you're going to want to see if they're going to play with fire. As yeah. much as I like Ian LaPerriere, love the guy as a hockey player, he did not coach PK very well. And uh, apparently he's not a very good head coach either because the I don't know what he coached fun. well. Like he's just a nice guy. <laughs> We've said this many a times, and I'm sorry if anybody loves LaPierre. I love him. You know, but like, would he even be here if he didn't take a slap shot to the face? Like, <laughs> I mean, come on, two, like, two, yeah. Well, one that like we all, you know, literally deformed his nose. But yeah, like, and everybody loves that. And he's a great guy. He's a great guy to have around the team. But when put in a position to do something with the team that is really shown on the ice, it's been a, it's been a, an F across the board. You know, like the penalty kill he had for years. Remember the one year that it broke like historic numbers how bad they were <laughs> and he was at the helm of that he gets the phantoms job we're kind of like eye roll it's lappy okay you know what? it's the phantoms whatever and then you get off this horrific start you're like all right like come on what's going on with this guy and maybe he's got time to turn it around but from what i read they're actually getting pretty decent goaltending down there there's everything else is terrible you know and the whole morgan frost fiasco and all that like Yikes. Is he coaching? Is it time? Go ahead. Is it time to pack his bags? So early. Oh, are you talking frost? Yeah. I, I think mean, it's I think we're getting awfully close to pack your bags, dude. You're just not gonna cut it. The only yeah, thing that's bothering me with him now is it's like, all right, what are we gonna blame this on? Are we gonna blame Le Perrier for Frost? You know what I mean? Like when when does the player end up taking the responsibility? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I get, I get. Like I think the whole, the whole thing with, with Lehigh, in my opinion, is they have a whole new system that they're playing down there, and I'm not sure that they have the right personnel, player-wise, yet to play this system. You know, because you need a roster more like what the Flyers have, for because they, they're implementing an AV system down in, in the minors, right? That's what Perrier has been tasked to do. If you look at their roster, I don't know that they have the correct formula with personnel to play that system, you know? So in a way it's like, this is how I'm interpreting it. It doesn't matter how the player, if he, if he develops personally, as long as he develops well within the system, does that make sense? No, it makes, I actually am hundred percent agree with you. If you didn't say it, I would have, uh, cause they've brought on some veteran AHL guys as well. This isn't like just young kids being put in roles. There's veteran players there. And it really feels like from what I've read, from what we've been told, John Grove is a great 
great um, guy to read up on if you want to see what's going on with the Phantoms. Um, it feels very square peg round holeish. And that never bolds well, especially when you have zero experience coaching. And I consider the penalty kill not a good example because that had to have probably been something similar because the results have so far been very similar. That's uh, your brother, right, Kyle Scott? That's my dad. Kyle. Your dad. I, I, owe, I owe your father a hat, by the way. He won a hat on last week's show. Oh. So <laughs> do not let me forget about that. Um, yes, back to the Phantoms, though. Uh, fan. Let me read the comment here. Not with losing a whole season, not ready. To, yeah, and that's the thing we got to remember, too, right, Kyle? Yeah, he did miss an entire season. That's, that's a lot of hockey to be missed. The, the physical play with him, well, I'm willing to wait. It's the mental stuff that's starting to like raise eyebrows, like the whole offseason fiasco, being benched during that six on three when they're losing and whatnot, like that kind of stuff. That's stuff he can control, which is irking me. But as far as his up to speed stuff, you know, he hasn't played in a very long time. So he's going to get the season, at least at a trade deadline. Um, if he, if he um, shows he can play and starts picking things up, but they they have a deal in place. Maybe he does get moved. But other than that, I think he's he's going to be here this season. And that's probably the right thing to do, right? Be patient. Let things yep. play out in Lehigh. So tired. I'm so tired of being patient. In a Patrick Sharp situation, you know, where the coach that's doesn't like true. him, they trade him along, and who do we you know, we get? Like what, Alexi Zitnik or something? And like. <laughs> He goes on to win a cup. He's a stud player. It's like, well, if it was just for pay Justin Williams is another name. Like we've been down this road. Let's be patient until the trade deadline, right? That's long enough to figure out. Like, okay, he's they back. might have to replace Ellis at this potentially. Point. You don't, but see, <laughs> you're not trading him um, just because if he's got to have value, you know. So that means he's got to play well a little bit. It's got I mean, to look, look what you got for Nolan Patrick. You know, yeah, I don't know how to explain that one. See, see, what's crazy about Tomas Hurdle is it's like, oh, yeah, there's no way they'll get him. Uh, a lot of people said that about Ryan Ellis. And not only did they get him, what they got they him gave for? gave him nothing. Wow. <laughs> we literally got rid of a headache. Yes. And we ended up with, like, a hell of a defenseman when he's here. Yes. Boys and girls, viewers and listeners, I would like to welcome in our guest to the live stream. Mr. Brian Smith, Manager of Broadcasting and Media Services for the Philadelphia Flyers. Brian, thanks for hanging out with us. How are you? Good, guys. How you doing? Fantastic. Doing thanks Sorry, for joining us. a little us. bit uh, behind here. My evening has gone a little bit differently than I expected. But <laughs> Absolutely. So, no problem. Problem. All the time. Such, such is life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get this out of the way right off the bat. It, it's kind of cool hearing your voice on our show after listening to you on, obviously, the Flyer shows. It's a little, a little weird. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting, uh, obviously, two years or so for for everybody. Um, but uh, last year, with the way we were doing things, um, you know, virtually uh, on radio uh, for road games, I was uh, I was needed to do some other things. Most notably, turn on our own little version of the red light that they turn on at timeouts. Um, so uh, I didn't do much last year. Uh, but Jason, uh, so Jason held down the fort for us last year. But uh, Tried to get back a little more normal this year, and um, you know we, we uh, are are finalizing uh, a new radio contract with um, 
with us broadcast group (laughs) yeah (laughs) well you never know someday but uh, uh, that that new contract we um decided we'd uh, jump in and do a little more uh, of a pregame and a postgame show than what we've done in the past so um that's what you've been hearing is uh kind of the new version of that and uh, we're uh, we're excited about it we're getting it going um still a little bit of uh, tweaks to do here and there but um but but it's uh it's uh, been a good start so we're we're really enjoying it yeah we love you guys uh right, right off the, i mean let me just flatter you right off the bat i mean there's nothing like uh like a flyers broadcast you know uh you got you martitas and, and you got uh man the name's blank me now who are the play-by-play guys uh, oh, Coach Saunders. Oh, Coach Saunders. Saunders. Yep, yep. Oh my God, the best. Yeah, we're, we're we're really lucky in this market. Um, I, I think it's kind of maybe gone a little unnoticed, but uh, we we I'm almost positive have the you know longest tenured duo in the NHL in terms of play by play in Tim Saunders and Jim Jackson. Um, oh know, my God. JJ came here in 1993. Uh, he did radio for I think maybe two or three years uh, before he jumped over to television. And then uh, Timmy came in in, in 1997, and uh, you know, of course, Coatsy's been here since one way or the other since about 1980. So, uh, so yeah, we're kind of spoiled, I think, in terms of what we have. Um, you know, we've got uh, a guy in, in Timmy who um, you know could could very easily be um, doing a, a TV gig at some other town, but um, you know, we've got him here. So it's uh, they're really great. It's really great to work with. I mean, it gives you a lot to. To, to do not only just in the broadcast itself, but when you have somebody like Coatsy, you know, you can, you can, uh, you know, go on and do things like what we're doing with our podcasts. And then, you know, I, I am, I am working on a uh, highlight slash blooper reel. Um, you know, the, we, we like to, we like to take advantage of Coatsy's uh, quirks, if you will, <laughs> whenever we can. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we've been, we've been, we've been talking about some things, trying to resurrect some form of Coatsy's Corner, although obviously it would only be on radio for the most part, but we could do it in a setting like this. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're really lucky in this market to have uh, the guys that we have. Coatsy's Corner was the best, man. We were just talking about it too the other day when we were playing uh, Florida. Um, toward the end of Coatsy's Corner's lifetime, they did the one with Sergey Bobrovsky where he couldn't speak English yet and all. Every answer was just Bob. Uh, you know, <laughs> want for Christmas, Bob. You know, it's out there on YouTube somewhere. It really was a joke. Oh, I think I remember that. <laughs> and then you get the people like uh, I forget who exactly said this. It was not me. I can't take credit for it. But uh, somebody was selling the best of Coatsy's Corner. And it was just a bunch of blank DVDs. Um, you know, he gets stuff like that too. So they like to have fun with them. So, so Brian, let's talk a little bit about you here. Obviously, medium broadcasting. Uh, is it your passion? What what got you into it? We ha- I have your LinkedIn here. I'm going to ask you all sorts of questions about your past. Wow, I haven't mind. that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, me- media and broadcasting. What is it about uh, media that, that got you into well, it? Well, I, I guess um, my my road started like a lot of guys in this industry in that I started out doing um, play-by-play in the minors, uh, which is uh, kind of what you do when you're going into the hockey world. Um, you know, I went to the University of Delaware. Uh, I was there from 1996 to 2000. So we were coming in right at the start of the age of, of internet broadcasting. Um, we actually uh, weren't doing it when I started there. And by the time we left, uh, by the time I left, we were doing it. So really it was just getting off the ground. But when I was in college, really, you know, back then, the the mediums that you had were radio and television. Um, and really, you know, sports had not even made it to the FM dial yet. It was still a very AM, uh, you know, genre. Um, so when I came up, uh, 
through Delaware, I, I kind of, I, you know, when I was thinking of places to go, you know, you, everybody, everybody looks at Syracuse and, um, you know, back then again, just radio and TV, no streaming yet. You know, I had heard the people at Syracuse didn't get on the, even get on the air until they were a junior. Uh, you know, I was on the air my third week of my freshman year doing news at least. Uh, wow. But um, really what, what got me to go into Delaware was that um, Tom Meese, the, the late ESPN broadcaster um, had, uh, had come through the university of Delaware. Um, he is uh, from Delaware and, so I figured if he could do it, I could do it. So I figured I'll, I'll jump down there and, and, and see what happens. And I started doing hockey first, actually. And it was just kind of a, a, a circumstantial thing that um, when I got there, there were seniors, upperclassmen doing basketball, football, what have you. But there wasn't anybody really doing hockey. There were a couple of seniors that were kind of sort of doing it. Um, but, um, you know, I was, I did my first hockey game there in February of my freshman year, which is pretty, you know, unheard of in a lot of places, but again, I was just kind of right, right place, right time. So, um, you know, I, I, that's kind of what I, I guess that was probably my main thing. I was doing football and basketball from my sophomore year on, but, um, what kind of drew me to hockey was that, um, you know, hockey had a minor league system back then. They, they still do, but back then, you know, there were seven double uh, a pro leagues scattered around the country. Um, and, you know, I kind of figured that's, you know, that was a place to start as opposed to, you know, basketball, there was no minor league system. Then there was, you, you have to start in college or something like that. And really what led me to it was we had a uh, sports information director at Delaware who had worked in this, uh, this, this Midwest league called the United hockey league. And so he had some connections there and just started tossing me jobs and, uh, about four or five of them came and went before I uh, landed with the Kalamazoo Wings, which was an IHL team, actually, which was a triple-A level team, but um, had just uh, basically ceased operations at the triple-A level and was coming back as a double-A level team in the UHL. Uh, mm. I, I, I remember I took that job on like a Wednesday, and on Thursday I got a call from Macon, Georgia, uh, the Macon Whoopi uh, in uh, the Central Hockey League. That's a real name. <laughs> they played under that name for many years. So I almost ended up in Macon, Georgia, but instead I was in Kalamazoo for two years. Um, uh, after my second year, the team was sold, the new ownership cleaned house, moved over to Flint uh, on the other side of Michigan for a year. Um, and then something, something kind of a similar thing was happening. It wasn't an ownership thing, but the GM that hired me got let go and the new GM had other ideas and, uh, um, by that point, my oldest son had been born and I didn't, I had met too many minor league broadcasters who had kind of, uh, bounced around from city to city, uh, mm -hmm. lived like five cities in 10 years or something like that. And I didn't really want to put him through that, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so, uh, decided to step back. We came home here. I'm from Delaware. It's where I live now. I came, came home here, um, worked outside of sports for a year, just in regular old radio. And then, uh, in 2004, I got an opportunity with the Philadelphia 76ers, which um, at the time was owned and operated by Comcast Spectacore. And, uh, you know, Comcast Spectacore had already always been known for promoting from within. So kind of my thought was, all right, I'll get in the door there. It was the lockout year, so there was no hockey anyway, uh, at least not at the NHL level. They had the Phantoms. But, um, you know, I figured I'll, I'll jump in there, see what happens. Uh, worked for the Sixers for a year, and then when the lockout ended, I was able to jump back over to hockey with the Phantoms. And, uh it was kind of interesting because, you know, when I stepped away uh, from Michigan, you know, it was basically a conscious decision to step away from the broadcast side. 
because um, in that league there were guys you know every year that were leaving as PR people to move up to the uh, to the AHL NHL what have you but the broadcasters were always kind of stuck there because you know the broadcast jobs don't open up as often um, hmm. so uh, you know again that was kind of a conscious decision but then when I got with the Phantoms um, you know after about three years the uh, broadcast side started pulling me back in which was kind of interesting because by that time it's late 2000s um, you know 0809 internet starting to pick up um the the american hockey league had signed a deal with b2 networks uh which was owned by charles wong actually uh, who used to own the islanders at the time so they started streaming all the games and this is when video streaming starts picking up so you need somebody you know phantoms were never on the radio in philadelphia because there was really no point uh there was no room um but but uh you know when streaming popped up they needed people so um i actually uh was kind of the backup my first few years. And then uh, my last year I did all the games on B2. And then we got over to, um, uh, when, when the Phantoms left, uh, they kind of absorbed the rest of us into the rest of the company. Um, so that's when I jumped over to the Flyers in 2009. And then things started popping up. Uh, you know, there's so much need for programming these days. And it was starting back then. The Phantoms would come back in, play two games a year for, um, for, for the first four years they were gone. And we would always uh, find a way to televise those games. And usually the Flyers guys are on the road, so they'd need somebody to do it. So I jumped in there. I was the first, my first foray into television. Um, and then uh, we do the same thing with like collegiate games when Penn State uh, started playing the varsity level. Hmm. They came a few times. We'd do that. Um, you know, there were uh, other things. We started televising Flyers Cup games. Actually, I think they'd done that before, but, um, you know, jumping in there. So that's kind of where the convoluted path led to. Um, and now I'm doing the television for the Philadelphia wings since they've returned um, uh, little of this, little of that. So that's kind of how I got to, to where I am now. Um, I've had, you know, other opportunities open up. Um, none that I've really sniffed around that too hard, but I'd rather be kind of off the air here in Philly than you know, on the air in Pittsburgh or something like that. You know, that would be a neat job to have, but it wouldn't be quite the same. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, so, so it's a, we're in a good spot here. And, uh, you know, like I said, we have a lot going for us this, these days with, uh, you know, with online radio, this sort of stuff, streaming, you got it, you know, you, you oh, got yeah. a lot of th things you got to do. So there's people that need to do it. I'm looking at what you're doing with the flyers now. And it's literally a paragraph of, you know, different hats that you're wearing over here, man. Like you're doing yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, let me ask you, did you grow up um, a hockey fan and, you know, was, was, you know, doing what you're doing now, somewhat of a, a dream scenario? Yeah, it really was. And especially when I was, you know, when I was in the United League, you know, the Flyers seemed a world away. There was, I remember, I don't know how we came across it, but I remember at some point our office got a copy of the um, team strength and conditioning manual for um, the off season. And I guess we were following it maybe to an extent our players were, uh, I'm not sure, but you know, I remember seeing that and like, wow, this, you know, this, I don't think I would ever get to a place like this, <laughs> but, um, but it was, yeah, it was, um, it's pretty, pretty much, you know, if I was picking anywhere in the league to go, it would be here. Um, I was, uh, you know, brought up on the team, you know, definitely a fan through my, my youth. Um, this is a, a Rick Tockett jersey that I had made at gold, gold medal sporting goods in 1989. Nice. Um, so I've got, uh, I've got the, the childhood stuff around as well a little bit. Um, and then, uh, you know, coming through, uh, coming through high school and college, um, you know, I, I actually got to go to a few games first in high school. I remember we had some, 
teachers in my high school that shared season tickets and every now and then they'd have an extra one that they would sell to a student or whatever and we'd go with them so i got to go to a couple of games that way and then when we when this uh core state center opened and i was able to get involved with the student radio station they started uh, letting me come up on press credentials uh, for uh, the time i was there um and then when I, you know, when I went out to the United League, you know, I pretty much lost track of the team really for about three or four years because um, you want know, to think I wore a lot of hats here, out there. It was, it was great. We had a five-person front office. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, me, a couple of sales guys, and a GM. Uh, there, there are not a lot of people there, so you have to do a lot of different things. And the, um, you know, the United League is primarily a weekend league, so um, you're playing three and threes all the time. Uh, you know, you would would go on the road for 10 days and, you know, not, uh, uh, really have a whole, I remember my first three years, we didn't have internet on the bus. My first two years, I should say my third year, I was finally able to get on the internet from the bus, which was, you know, witchcraft at the time. Uh, But but when you're on these bus rides, you were kind of isolated and stuff. So, uh, so I kind of lost track of the team there through that first part of the two thousands, but, um, you know, certainly was happy to, to, to get involved again in 2005 coming back out of that lockout um and 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 so yeah i, I would say it probably is you know kind of the, the dream scenario um you know it's uh i've been here with, since i came up from the phantoms it's been this is year 14 i think so you know you tell me that uh 20 years ago i'd you know think you were nuts but uh you know it's uh it, it's it's like i said i'd rather be here than, than anywhere else if at all possible so it's uh it's a good fit for, for everything. Um, my parents are nearby and uh, my wife's parents are nearby, stuff like that. So outstanding. I know we're glad to have you here. That's for sure. I see, you see you wear a lot of hats. I see one of those hats is actually the backup to Mr. Tin Saunders. Um, was there ever a scenario or is oh. it happened more often than we realized we had to jump say, in? That's, that's one hat that I've never had to wear. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy has not missed a game in at least the 15 years since I've been here. Um, I didn't you know, think he did. Yeah, he, he doesn't miss much. There was uh, we had a couple of scares with JJ over the years. Um, hmm. uh, specifically, one time where I forget exactly what happened, but there was a wreck on the Walt Whitman Bridge, and he was on the wrong side of it, and everything was just a disaster um he actually ended up driving all the way down through delaware and back up and got to the building about 20 minutes before puck drop uh but that was one time there's been a couple other times when he's had um like deaths in the family uh stuff like that where he uh, wasn't going to be able to be at a game but usually it lined up that uh it was a national game or something like that so so nothing in that realm uh just yet but um you know it's 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 interesting because like i said i came in to the company and into the flyers doing uh mostly media relations work and so that's where i i settled in and then the broadcast stuff kind of came to me over time um that first that first year that i was here um with the flyer side uh, was um, a bit of a transition for our company and the radio side in that prior to that, the way the radio worked was that WIP owned the rights and they owned all the inventory, all the commercials that you hear in the broadcast, everything was, that was all theirs. So they pay the team a rights fee and then they would sell all the ads and, um, and do all that sort of thing. Um, just so happened that year, it was a new contract. And everything changed then because uh, we became the uh, 
holders of all the ad inventory and everything like that. It was a pretty seismic shift in the way the deal worked. And so they needed somebody to look after all of that. And it really just came up that I was in the right place at the right time. They had somebody else doing it for a year. And then my second year, they gave that to me. So that's where uh, it really started to kind of add this, these little pieces of broadcasting and stuff in there. Um, And then, uh, um, you know, over the years, it just came a good fit for me to be able to help the other broadcasters coming into the building, whether it's the visiting team or national or visiting radio, whatever, um, you get them set up and all those sorts of things. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always been uh, a little bit, my, my position's always been a little bit of a catch-all. There's things that come my way that, uh, fortunately I have, uh, the time to deal with. And a lot of it works pretty well together anyway. Um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, doing things like game notes and stuff like that. Well, you're doing that to provide it to the broadcast. So I anyway so you know it's it's it, it all works well together every time where you're just like hey jim if you're not feeling good and you know stay stay home like i got it tonight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or tim you're like yeah like i'm here if you don't we'll feel like coming it. in let me know take it over you know <laughs> <laughs> um so it I, I, sounds like he has the voice for it like as soon as i heard you talk i was like oh well i see why he's doing what he's doing <laughs> yeah it's uh it was it was interesting because um that was, you know, when I when I first uh, started getting into this in high school, uh, um, that's actually what they what I was told I didn't have was the voice. I guess it came along eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one thing I wanted to ask: so you've been around for a long time now, uh, Brian. What are the differences between when you first started with the Flyers and the differences today? Uh, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> that would be one of. Um, sorry yeah. about that <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. Um, yeah it's, it's uh it is very interesting the differences when i when i started um I, I guess i wouldn't say when i started with the flyers necessarily but if i go back a few years before that um and even when i started in the industry back in 2000 was my first pro year and back then the website was just something that came along and you just gave it to the pr department to do it's like, here, here you go, figure it out. Um, and, and for the first, I don't know how many years, every team was was on their own. Um, and then you started having companies crop up that were looking to do it for you, right? So um, that's one of the deals that we kind of got into when I was uh, in, in Kalamazoo was that the league um, had entered into a league-wide deal to do all the websites on the same host. And so all I had to do at that point was um, just be able to log into a back end and update everything. Um, didn't need to, you know, necessarily hand code everything or, or uh, do whatever software was popular back then. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, that was just something that landed in the PR department's lap. And then over the course of the two thousands, obviously the website became much more important, not only to your, um, your fans for getting the information out, but also to your organization to use as a selling tool. Um, the, uh, the next thing that popped up was, I don't know. I don't know that MySpace really took off in terms of team accounts, but I guess maybe Facebook was probably the first thing to come along that teams had actual accounts on it. And I, I mean, I, I can remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but I can remember when Facebook was only open to college students. Yeah. The only reason I could get on it is because I had an alumni address from Delaware that ended in .edu. But if you didn't have an .edu email address, you couldn't get on it. So whenever it became commercial is when 
that was the next thing. And it was the same deal. It's like, okay, the PR department will take care of this, you know? And, and, and so, um, I think over the course of like 2010, 2011, that's finally when teams started hiring people just to say, okay, this is you, the website. Um, and so you're also going to look after this Facebook account that we have. And, um, you know, I know we were doing a lot of email blasts by then and sort of that sort of marketing. Um, I, I do remember it was 2011 when we actually moved our, <clears throat> excuse me, moved our website out of PR and into marketing. We did a little bit of a reorganization. Somebody that had been in PR looking after the website now stepped out of PR and into marketing and the website became a marketing thing. Um, and then obviously Twitter came along in, in 2012 and, and, or I, I guess, I guess it was around way before that, but I feel like 2012 for some reason was the year that it started to become more mainstream. Um, and you had, uh, team handles and player handles and, and things like that. So, um, you know, it's, uh, that, that's probably the biggest difference is the digital availabilities, um, and the ways that you have not only to, to, to reach your fans, but to hear from your fans and interact with your fans. And then, you know, all of it becomes a sales tool to the team at, at some point. But, um, you know, for us doing what we're doing right now, um, you know, we're, we do that. We're, we're the, the, the post game show is 45 minutes long, um, which is perfect for the fanatic, but it's not so perfect for WMMR. It's just a little out of place for us to go on MMR and talk for about hockey for 45 yeah. minutes. So when we're on WMMR, we, uh, we have been doing this show on our, our Twitter handles. The broadcast network has one and then Jason's got his own. And, and that's the main outlet is for us to hop on Twitter and do stuff like this. And then we also use uh, flyers radio 24 seven, which is an online streaming station. Um, so all, all that stuff was just fantasy, you know, even, even, you know, 12 years ago, I guess I would say. Um, so that's probably the biggest difference is that, uh, you know, how many, uh, careers now have started just in that part of the industry and, and how we, uh, have shifted to, um, to use that stuff to, to reach our fans. So that, that's kind of what I was hoping you were going to transition to in there a little bit. Flyers radio 24 yeah. seven, uh, obviously the, the podcasts are, you know, fairly brand new now what is it the the second or third season with uh with the uh, flyers fix and everything but hockey broadcasters roundtable prospect pipeline i mean it, anything you need it's a one-stop shop uh flyers radio 24 7 how did that come about and um just talk about that a little bit well flyers radio 24 7 is kind of my baby um and and that is actually um most of what i do is just to direct copy off what the washington capitals do to be honest uh, they started theirs a little bit before we did um then it said uh, you know the you know imitation is flattery there's his capture exactly. 24 7 i couldn't think of anything better so you know <laughs> we just went with what we went with but um the reason the capital station started was that the uh, the, the washington dc radio landscape is very strange um the uh I don't know what it is about the terrain or, or what have you, but, um, you know, radio signals don't, don't go very far in the DC Metro area. Um, there's a lot of, uh, segmented things. Um, I, I, the one year I was not working in sports, I was working for WTOP, which is their KYW down there. Um, and even back then WTOP was a three station thing, um, a three frequency thing. It had the, an AM frequency that was pretty booming. And then they had two smaller FMs and that's what they needed to cover the DC Metro. Um, so 
what ended up happening with the capitals was that they got squeezed out of their terrestrial radio station. Um, Hmm. you know, they've got college sports down there and they've got the Redskins and everything else. And so they were having trouble, you know, finding a place to broadcast all their games. So that's where caps radio 24 seven came in. So now, you know, instead of relying on, uh, an FM station to say whether or not you can be on the air, they can at least stream all their games and, uh, and go, uh, from that route. So it becomes basically a, a team branded radio station. So that's what the flyer, that's what flyers radio 24 seven is. And I, I wanted to start it basically for a couple of reasons. One, if God forbid there was ever a format flip on one of the sports stations here, or who knows what else happens. And we lost our terrestrial radio home. We could build something that we could have to fall back on if we needed it. Um, the other thing too, was that, uh, you know, there, there is a lot of stuff that we've identified that would be good for broadcast that, you know, a station like the Fanatic can't necessarily clear. And, you know, I'm thinking of things like doing live broadcasts from the draft or from alumni golf outings where you've got a lot of guys around you can talk to, stuff like that. We figured if we had something like this, uh, you know, some sort of channel that we could, you know, carry our own things as we needed to. Now, to be honest, we have kind of skipped over it to the point where now if we want to do something like that, we just do it on our Twitter account. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't really possible when I started uh, 24-7. Now it is. So 24-7 ends up more of a, you know, again, it's a backup in case we ever have any sort of issues, but it does give us an outlet to do things like carrying a, a you know, an extended pregame, postgame show when we can't uh, be on, you know, one of our, one of our radio partners. So that's where that kind of came from. And then the podcasting thing, you know, that was just kind of, I think a natural addition along with the podcasting movement, Um, you know, as podcasting became more and more prevalent and easier for people to do and easier for people to find, um, you know, we started looking at what we were doing and thinking, okay, well, we have a few different things we can cover that we're not covering in, um, in other avenues, one of them being our prospects and what's going on with the Phantoms and our players that aren't playing professionally yet. Um, we have a great resource in Bill Meltzer. He knows these guys like the back of his hand. So uh, every now and then we're able to check in with him to, to see what's going on. Um, our broadcasters roundtable is a chance for, um, you know, Timmy and JJ and Coatsy to, to hop on and talk about the team in ways that they don't really have time to do during a game. Um, you know, they can, uh, you know, start looking at what's going on. And these, these guys, you know, in a normal se- normal season, um, like when we started it, these guys are around the team as much as anybody. Um, you know, they're on the plane, they're flying to the, ho- you know, they're in the same hotels, they're going morning skates, you know, they're they're there, um, they're, they're in, in kind of immersed as much as anybody. So, so they're good resources to be able to use that sort of stuff. And then, you know, as we, um, you know, grew a little bit, added Andrea Helfrich to the team. Um, she's got a great eye for things that aren't on the rink that are interesting to our fans um Mm. so that's where everything but hockey came in um and then uh jason actually was was laid off from the fanatic i think two years ago yesterday and when he became available um you know that was kind of a no-brainer to 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 pick him up and give him uh an outlet to be able to do um really what he likes the best which is hockey um so that's where uh, the flyers daily podcast came in and so uh again it's kind of just grown with uh kind of grown organically uh with with the way things have been going on now obviously the last couple of years um you know, I, I wish it had picked up more steam than it had because 
we started all this at the start of 2018, and then the team just went completely off the rails. So uh, we were we, being quiet. <laughs> we're, we're right with you there, man. It's yeah, like 1920 we, was great, but then everything ground to a halt. So um, yeah. we're hoping now that we're starting up again, and we're hoping everything's behind us that we can really start to pick up some uh, some momentum with some of these things. But, yeah, I'm sure you guys know how it is. You, you lose your subject matter, and all of a sudden. Oh, my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. we got to wait till whatever starts up again and get it yep. going. We started four years ago, so I mean, uh, mm-hmm. we we love Hackstall here and everything, so don't get us wrong, but we started up right in the middle of the Hackstall term and the whole Hackstall yeah. thing going on where, you know, there's nothing great to talk about for about two seasons, and somehow mm-hmm. we're trying to get people to listen to us, and here we are a couple of years later. We're doing all right. Things are looking Good. up. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we you know, it's, it's, uh, it is very interesting. The other difference, I guess I would say, would be, you know, one of the things I had been doing for about 14 years was um, was our press box operations, doing things like credentials and all that stuff. And I think that's how we first met. But uh, I, this year I've been handing that off so I can focus more on the radio and the digital side and things like that because, you know, it's – it's. I think I've, I've, the, the when it came to a head last year – and last year was awful because we had to reinvent the wheel. I mean, we do, we, we do things the same thing – same way year in and year out. But last year we had to completely come up with new procedures for everything. And so – I was constantly dealing with uh, uh, credentials and wrinkles and came th- th- things like that that came up. And I remember missing um, Sam Moran's first NHL goal because a Coke repairman had shown up oh to fix God. a vending machine somewhere and they needed to give him a credential to get into the building because of the COVID protocols. And I'm like, I can't, you can't, you can't talk about Moran's goal on the post game show if I didn't see it because I was getting. <laughs> the coke guy or credentials <laughs> you know the, the but, but i guess what i was getting at was you know back when i started you credentialed radio stations tv stations newspapers and then uh we, we i don't even, i don't think blog is the right word to use anymore but that's what they were back then they were mm. blogs that started cropping up and then then they started becoming full-fledged websites and then uh you know um eventually the the blog that was just somebody's hobby uh four years later it's a legit business so now it's like okay we do want to credential this website because it's this guy you know they're making a living i i I don't want to get too uh graphic with uh the problem that we had but um about 2008 uh, somebody was at a game from the trentonian on a credential and uh writing for the trentonian and then while he was there he uh, gathered some information that he put out on his blog, which is titled Sean Avery sloppy seconds. And so that's the kind of thing that we had to tiptoe around back then. You know, you had to make sure that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so much like, all right, what's your reach? You know, it's like, I I don't care if a website has, you know, necessarily has a hundred people or a hundred thousand, but is there editorial control? was my biggest question. Like, is somebody, somebody that, that, has some sense of what should be being published right. in charge of this website. So um, that, that, that problem has become less and less prevalent um, in, in recent years. But back then, you know, it was kind of a free for all, if you will. So, uh, I think so that, I remember that, hearing that's the other, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was something about Alex Ovechkin's flatulence. Um, <laughs> 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 ended up on this. And, 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 and then they're coming to us. Why'd you credential this guy? Why was this guy in our locker room? Well, Oh, interesting. For a regular newspaper. Um, so, uh, so that was, that's, that's, that's been another change is, is just, uh, you know, figuring out, um, 
not not only who we work with, but how we work with them. Because as as the newspaper, TV, and radio stations have grown to include the newspaper, and then this website, and this website, and this website, our press box hasn't gotten any bigger. So we have to uh, we have to be uh, cognizant of um, how much space we have and things like that. But it, it, really, the 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 biggest change was when places like you know the Inquirer and the big newspapers started laying people off, and then these respected journalists who we know and work with on a regular basis are now going to this website. Hmm. And so now all of a sudden this website is a lot more legitimate than maybe it was last year. Um, you know, and that's what created the athletic, which is probably the gold standard these days in terms of uh, sports coverage, I would say, um, you know, there's, there's certainly some good writers still at traditional news outlets, but um, you know, the athletic is basically everybody good that's been laid off in the last 10 years landed in one spot and started. <laughs> a hey, that's how you do it, man. And so, um, so, so yeah, that's been another adjustment is just uh, kind of shifting gears to, um, to, to, uh, to work with the media in, in different ways and different avenues um, than, than we did in the past. It's interesting how, how fast some things change, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel of, like it's been uh, 10 years since some of this happened, but uh, yeah, it goes by quick. Are, it, like yeah. even, even you just, when you said earlier, like I can't remember when Twitter came, I didn't start using Twitter till maybe four years ago. And it's been around for, what'd you say, 2011, 2012, something like that? The only thing I remember was when Barack Obama was running for president in 2008, um, they had a Twitter account that was kind of tweeting into the void because Mm -hmm. there wasn't anybody else using the platform to read it. And so there wasn't very many people responding to it. Um, But I I remember that for, for some reason, I remember that account, that campaign account being one of the first people wow. to regularly be using twitter so that's why i have a kind of a mindset on on 2008 i don't remember exactly why i feel like 2012 was kind of a tipping point for it yeah. to take off but um it was somewhere in in there yeah yeah i never never really used it now that i'm on it i question why i'm on it but, yeah uh... <laughs> i mean it's Hello. funny because you know like i i use it as almost like a, a newspaper now Um, You know, whereas, uh, you know, 20 years ago, I might come to the office and sit down with a physical newspaper and start reading through, um, you know, what uh, what went on the day before. Um, Now you use your your Twitter feed for that if you you have it set up kind of the way I do, which is mostly just, you know, hockey writers and a few other things. Um, You know, there there's uh, it's it's just a a great summary of everything that's going on. you know, you have to obviously, uh, you know, weed out some of the noise every now and then, but, um, but, but yeah, that's kind of how I've used it. I also look at it as like, it's, it's an almost a, on the fan side, it's almost another version of sports talk radio. Yeah. Um, and we actually can use it as such because where I, you know, I can't take a, a phone call necessarily on, on a show like this, but we can, you know, if we were doing it live, we can, we can solicit Twitter, um, uh, uh, interaction, you know, folks tweet at us all the time we'll get them on the show stuff like that so yeah it's fun uh so speaking of quick changes or or changing over time the philadelphia flyers the team that we get to watch mm-hmm. and talk about massive changes over the off season um it's got to help with listenership and viewership are you allowed to are you able to talk about the team and and what, yeah. you, what you're seeing so far and what yeah absolutely that's actually part of been part of my transition i i uh uh, on the inside, I was telling folks that I, I wanted to 
wanted to st- figure out a way that I was operating in a manner that I didn't seem like an official team spokesperson <laughs> anymore because uh, you can't do one and you can't do them both at the same time. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's been a, a part of this step, but, um, but yeah, it's the biggest makeover in a decade um, since the, the Carter Richards summer. I mean, we have not seen this kind of uh, um, adjustment to the roster. I don't think in one fell swoop since then. And uh, you know, it, it last year, as much as last year was an aberration, and I don't think you wanted to overreact based on last year. Um, I think last year was not the reason that um, Chuck Fletcher went out and did some of the things he did. I think he'd had uh, a good long look at this roster since he came in in December of 2018 and had an idea of, of what needed to be done. So I think that's kind of where this stemmed from. I don't think it was a last year thing. I don't think it was uh, anything in particular from the the shortened season that um, – that, that triggered it. I think it was just a long look over the past uh, few years thinking, okay, it's time for a change here. Um, and then, so that's kind of what he went out and did. And uh, I got to commend the, the way he was able to do it in such a flat cap situation where right now it's just, you know, there's nothing out there as far as an increase coming, we might see a million dollars this year. I don't know, but uh, um, you know, that's been uh that that's been the, the biggest challenge to doing something like that. And he was able to find ways to get it done, even though uh, some of them were a, a little bit unorthodox, but, um, but, but obviously he uh, kind of saw, a, had a vision or so as such, and, and was able to put it together. Absolutely. And I know we were all kind of hoping for changes and, you know, I think I'll speak for myself here in the beginning of the off season, I was kind of getting a little bit like, you know, we're watching other teams make these creative moves like Tampa Bay hiding salary on the on the injured list and, you know, whoever else is making these creative deals, Iserman in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, come on, Chuck, please do something, do something. And then one day, random Saturday afternoon, he's trading Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers. Hey, both guys that can go on and have great NHL careers for Brian Ellis, who I think we were all just kind of like, we, we couldn't believe it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to go out and get – uh. I'm sorry, names are escaping me. You guys want to help me out? Cam Atkinson. Yeah. Oh, my God, what a revelation this guy's yeah. been, man. Just- it's funny you bring that up because we brought up Twitter, and that's what I did when things hit the fan and the trades were going left and right. It just went right to Twitter. I got videos. I got multiple sources showing me that this was real and not fake. It's a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier, and, yeah, it all happened in a whirlwind like that. It was crazy. And it maybe it was calculated, like uh, yeah. Brian was saying, kind of like, I don't want to say punting on last year, but kind of punting on last year. I don't think he expected Niskanen to retire. But seeing no. what he did this year and last year, like, you know, maybe you sh- he couldn't have overpaid or traded for a Nate Schmidt who's on your team for five years at a, you know, because Ryan Ellis, had a pretty similar salary, looks a lot better. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. You, you made me think of something, and I'll, I'll go off topic real quick, just back in the stories we were telling about Twitter. I, I, I This would take it before 2012. This would take it back to 2011. Uh, the week that we did the Carter-Richards trades and the Brzezgalov signing, um, that was the year that Ian LaPerriere won the Masterton. Hmm. And so I am in Las Vegas with Lappy. Um, the, the other two, my other two counterparts in the PR department at the time were in Philadelphia, and the hockey staff was all in Minnesota for the draft. So we're spread out over three time zones. And, you know, for me in Vegas, it's, um, you know, sometime in the morning. I don't know exactly what time, but all of a sudden um, all this stuff starts happening. And 
when Twitter first started taking off, we had an issue where I don't, and I don't know how this happened. I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but the minute we would file a transaction, somehow it would end up on Twitter <laughs> through, through the media. So somehow things were getting from central registry to Twitter immediately. Uh, eventually we started timing things. So we would tweet it first. Um, so we've gotten good at that, but that's, that was, that was another learning curve with Twitter was we had to figure out, um, how to, how to not, cause that day it was June 23rd, 2011. Um, I'm sitting there reading all this stuff on Twitter before I'm even hearing about it from the inside. And it, it, there got, it got to a point where I was scared to leave my hotel room cause I didn't know what was coming next. Like we're, we're, we're firing guys into the sun left and right. And it's like, Oh, what, what is going on here? So that was, a, that's another fun Twitter story. But, um, uh, you know, with, with the way that it, uh, kind of, uh, took off, uh, this particular year, um, you know, again, it's a flat cap. You got to move money in order to bring money in. Um, and I think the Atkinson and uh, Voracek trade was a prime example of a deal that could benefit both teams. Um, oh, yeah. you know, uh, Jake's got tremendous skill, um, great guy in the room. For whatever reason, I think he felt like uh, people felt like he might have gotten a little stale here. Uh, and I think maybe the same thing had happened with. Atkinson in Columbus and so for both guys fresh start new scenery um, and and the Flyers have for I think a few years in my opinion needed somebody who with a, a score first mentality there hasn't been a lot of that in this roster and that's what Cam Atkinson brings uh, in exchange for the playmaking ability that Jake Voracek had so I really like you know that deal probably is one of those that benefits both teams um, you know the uh, the Ellis thing has gone great uh, so far, uh, I wish he wasn't uh, injured, obviously. Um, I think once he's healthy, that's going to continue to reap dividends. Um, you know, Ristolainen is going to be a little more of a project, I think, um, because, you know, I, I th- the one thing that the one thing about all the, um, you know, the the reaction to the Ristolainen trade for me was that I don't think it may necessarily carried the context that it should have. Because you're going to pull a guy like him who's been the number one defenseman in a bad organization for his entire career and put him in a situation where he doesn't have quite as much uh, responsibility on him. He doesn't have to shut down the other team's top players every night. And I think I, I forget where I heard this, but there was some number bandied about like 38 coaches and support staff that had been come and gone in Buffalo during his career. Oh my God. I mean, just, just no consistency. Um, you know, who knows what messages he was getting from who. Um, so for him to come into a stable situation here, I think is going to be good for him. And I think, again, you know, it's going to take a while for him to maybe unlearn some, some things. He may need to break some habits, uh, if you will, um, that he had settled into in Buffalo just out of necessity, out of survival's sake. Uh, but but I see that move in the long term as probably being a pretty beneficial one uh, for the Flyers. Um, you know, it's uh, you, you don't want to give up uh, a Robert Hague or anything like that. But um, uh, unfortunately, like, I think a lot of these guys that come in in free agency and sign these mega deals, they sign them because if your team didn't sign them, somebody else was going to sign him. So it becomes like a market thing. And it seemed apparent that there were other teams that the Flyers didn't give up that first round pick or give up who they gave up, that other teams were going to do it and, uh, and get him instead. Um, you know, the, the, the pick 
didn't bug me as much because this draft was such a crapshoot. Um, it could very well be that that player ends up being a very good player down the road in the NHL. But, um, you know, I, I feel like the Flyers felt with the circumstances around this draft that they could get just a good a player early in the second round with uh, Sam Tuamala as they could have back when they would have picked in the first round. So that's probably why you saw that happen. Um, the other thing I want to mention with the Ellis thing is that, um, and you mentioned Niskanen retiring, um, the, the single – to me, the single worst thing that happened to the Flyers in the last 10 years was when Chris Pronger got hurt. Um, his his absence set the defense of this team back like five years. It was really kind of, I think, underrated how um, his absence uh, affected that group in particular. And then, you know, Paul Holmgren tried everything he could to replace him um, and, and wasn't able to do so And in, in, in you know, that just left a gaping hole that I think took the organization several years to fill properly. Um, Niskanen's acquisition uh, brought a tremendous amount of stability to the team that I'm not sure was necessarily appreciated until he wasn't there anymore. And so I think that was um, perhaps maybe I, I have no knowledge of any conversations that might have taken place, but Paul Holmgren is still a senior advisor and, you know, Chuck Fletcher's got a lot of experienced guys to, to he can bounce opinions off of and i would not be surprised that that came up that that look you know we had this situation 10 years ago when we lost our cornerstone defenseman and this is what happened um you know let's figure out a way to to shore that up if we can sooner rather than later now we keep talking about the the wrist alignment move and obviously we're all in agreement it's kind of <clears throat> it's not a bad move i think we all agree like it's a move that needed to be done and it was there and we got it done. Um, but one of our main concerns is Ristolainen's contracts up at the end of the year and losing that first round pick stings a, a heck of a lot more. If Ristolainen walks True. at the end of the year, True. do you, can you foresee a situation where Ristolainen takes less than what he's making now to stay? You know, I, I, I don't know him that well. Um, I, I know that uh, we've seen that in a couple of uh, situations this summer, most notably Sean Couturier, but that's, I think, a completely different story in that he's been here uh, yeah. for a very long time, and now he's got roots in the area, um, just had a child, and uh, um, you know now they want to settle down. Um, so uh, that is this is that this? No. Um, I, I, if I'm, if I'm Ristolainen, uh, if I've been through what I've been through the last, well, however many years it's been six years or so, and this year goes well, uh, and, and, you know, they're able to, uh, you know, make something happen here. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he would take a deal that would fit him in here, uh, pretty well. Um, I guess it's also got a matter of, you know, how he does this year. If this is a, through the roof year for him does he try to to you know find something else that that's a little bit better down the road maybe he does um you know with, with uh the cap situation and, and what else is going on is he gonna be able to i don't know it's a, it's a very fluid situation so uh you know that's definitely a concern i think that um that that, that first round pick might go away just for one year and you, you never want to see that um you know but uh Given where the Flyers were this summer and what they were trying to accomplish, I think it was probably worth the risk 
Um, you know, and you, you can always get a pick like that back maybe down the road. Um, if you see it coming that he's not going to stay, um, you know, maybe you trade his rights for something. It wouldn't be a first, but, you know, you might be able to package something and get something back for him. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, I think that uh, that would be, you know, probably something they do not want to see happen. They don't want to lose him after giving up what they did for just one year. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I think, uh, something that was worth the shot at the time that it happened. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I would, my thoughts on that right now, and I could be completely wrong. Be like you said, because it's not Buffalo and maybe he plays better. And I think we'll have a better season. Um, he might, he signs something of a, a bridge deal, which at his point in his career doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but because of his situation, Maybe he's plays better than what we saw in Buffalo. Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's a little bit less, but it's shorter term so that after that's over and he shows here in Philly and not Buffalo mainly that he's a much better defenseman than what we've seen, then he tries to cash in, whether it's here or somewhere else. I could see something like that happening because, like you said, he was in such an odd situation being thrown out against top-pairing guys uh, in Buffalo and however many coaches and GMs he's had that he's actually getting a good look now. So it might be more beneficial for him to spend more time here and then maybe try to cash in. Yeah. I mean, he's 27 years old. Um, so I assume he'll be 28 uh, when this, uh, I guess he's already had his birthday. So, um, you know, he'll be, he'll be almost 28 when this deal expires. Um, you know, he still has some time to, to maybe sign that bridge deal, whether it's one year or two, yeah, and still two, have uh, some, some good years left on him on the other side of it in his, in his, uh, you know, early thirties, obviously that you've seen plenty of defensemen have success in this league, uh, into their mid thirties. Um, you know, so that, that definitely is a possibility. The other thing, just looking at the deal that he's on right now, if it was, you know, if he, if he was sitting here on a, a, a five-year deal that was expiring, that was like 3 million a year, then I would say, yeah, he's going to go for the money. Um, but he's been at 5.4 these last uh, six years. So he hasn't been, um, you know, certainly hasn't been, been making a, a weak amount. Um, you know, he's, he's gotten some money in his career. So I guess for him, it'll be, a, a you know, it'll, it'll be kind of a question of, you know, what do I want to do here for the back half of my NHL career? Do I want to go somewhere where I can win or do I want to, you know, just make as much as I can and, and, and retire? And if we win, great. Um, so it'll probably be a little bit of what goes into that there. But, um, you know, I think you're seeing, you're seeing guys right now in this league that, um, you know, are willing to um, maybe take a little bit than they could have gotten uh, if they'd gone all out in order to be in a situation where they have a chance to win. And, uh, you know, that's not what the union wants to see or, or anything like that, but I do, I do think we're seeing it. Um, and in, in this weird economy we're in where the, the top, the top end guys eat up, a ton of the cap space. And then, um, you know, a lot of teams have to build out with entry levels or younger guys. Um, there has been complaints from agents. I know I've seen out there that you know, the middle, middle class, if you will, is being squeezed out of the league. Um, you know, they, they may look at that and say, all right, well, you know, this might be where I sit and, and, you know, it's still a comfortable contract and, and, you know, gives me, you know, if, if there, if somebody steps up and gives him like a six year deal at what he's making now, if I'm him, I, I jump at it, you know, um, but, but uh, I think term obviously will have something to do with it, but you know, it's, uh, 
it's going to have to see, I think, how he plays this year and then uh, what the team is able to do with him um, before he probably makes that final decision. Yeah, I remember the Flyers still are also going to have Claude Giroux up this year. Um, mm. So that's another another uh, hurdle to, to climb at some point between now and, and July. So, uh, you know, they'll have a couple of different uh, things to look at. There's at least five more things that came up while, while we were talking that I want to ask you about. Sure, right? sure. Um, but we're, we are coming up on about an hour and a half into the show. We've had you on way past a half an hour. So oh, no, it's all good. Yeah, I just uh, – like I said, the evening changed a little bit. I didn't have to pick up kids where I thought I'd have to pick up kids, so uh, we're good. Well, we appreciate you spending the time with us. Uh, we are coming to the end of the episode, so I want to say thank you now. Thanks for hanging out. Sure. Um, well, thanks for having us. Uh, Brian, I just want to say real quick, Jim, I'm sorry to cut you off, but um, I just wanted to say that as uh, somebody who credentials people, we appreciate getting credentialed, and you won't have to worry about me talking about anybody's flatulence. There we go. Or, Totally or, uh, or anybody sloppy seconds <laughs> or anything like that. I just want to give you, I promise that won't happen. Wonderful. We'll, First we'll game note, tomorrow. We'll that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, just in case, I'm sure most of our listeners know where to find you now. They're already listening to Flyers Radio 24-7. But just in case, uh, if you want people to find yeah. you, where can they find you on uh, Twitter? Twitter, the handle is uh, bsmithphi. And it used to be bsmithflyers. You might still find it there. But uh, when I picked up the wings... It was a little weird tweeting wings things from a flyers handle. So, uh, yeah, B Smith, <laughs> Smith PHI is in Philadelphia, um, is, uh, where, where the fun is there. So, uh, we got, uh, lacrosse going to be starting up before we know it. So you're you'll get a little lacrosse from that account too, but I promise you, if you haven't seen that team play in person, if you come out and see it, you'll like it. Cause it is a, uh, it is a show from start to finish. So. All right, we'll have to get out to some lacrosse games. Brian, we're going to let you drop off. Thanks a lot for, for hanging out, and hey, we'll see you soon. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, enjoy the rest of your night. Take care. Take care. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Brian Smith. Uh, awesome guy. I, I, another another guest that I could have talked to for at least another hour, at least. Heard his voice as soon as he jumped on. I really meant it. I'm like, oh, he's the backup guy in case something goes wrong. He's obviously been on a few times. It surprised me to found out he hasn't been. But if he ever needed to get the call, definitely. Well, he definitely do, he does the uh, he does the in between periods on the radio. That's where I knew his voice from immediately. Yeah, there you go. Was I the only one that was kind of like, oh, this is weird. I've been listening to this guy for for however many years <laughs> on the radio, and now he's different. here. Yeah, it was cool. What a great guy, man. I'm glad we got to talk to him. Um, so Brian Smith, everybody. So we're, we are coming up on an hour and a half. I did want to get to some topics, uh, after the show, uh, Mr. Warner, I see a couple questions about prospects here. We have a prospect guru, actually, John Gove, just head over to our site, hwhockey.net. Check out some of his prospect weekly episodes. I just want to make sure that your dad doesn't think that we're ignoring him because we do see them. Um, yeah, check out, check out the prospect weekly episodes on hwhockey.net, Mr. Warner. So, Back to some of our topics here, boys. Well, we won't get to all of them. Uh, we'll wrap up uh, in just a couple minutes. Let's look ahead a little bit. Flyers obviously have the Coyotes tomorrow night. Uh, they have the Penguins and the Capitals on Thursday night and Saturday night. How do we see this week playing out? Uh, we'll start with Kyle. I haven't really. It's been a little bit since we heard from you. How, what do you, how do you see the week playing out? Three and zero, baby. Yes, they're, they're, they're going to beat. The, they're going to beat the Coyotes. They're going to beat the Penguins. And then they're going to beat the Capitals in OT. Yes. 
Jack, you see it three and zero as well. No, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but no. I mean, uh, they're going to smoke Arizona. They have to. It's ghost. They're o eight and one. And I know the last time uh, Arizona was o and ten, Flyers gave them the first win. That, this is this is a different team. This is a different team. All right, they're gonna they're gonna smoke them. Uh, we're going to get at least one goal where a ghost dives or trips at the blue line or pick, hits it in somebody's shin pads, and Atkinson's going to get a breakaway goal. Uh, we're going to smoke them. It's going to be cake. Uh, we're going to be pit. That's going to be the overtime game for me. I think Crosby's back now. Uh, they're going to be pit in overtime, and I think they fall short against Washington. It's no disrespect. Uh, but it's so when we play Washington later in the season and we beat them, it'll be justice served. I, some of these, our division's too good. So to, to just go three and zero, I love it. I think one of these teams does get us. I'm not letting Calgary hold me down too bad. It's going to be a, like a nice buffer game with Arizona to get things going again. They're going to carry that momentum into Pittsburgh, and maybe they uh, fall a little short against Washington. But however, five out of six points is pretty good. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. So Arizona coming into tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm just looking at this all else here. Oh, eight and one, as we mentioned. They have not scored. They've scored over three goals one time this season. They've scored over two goals twice this year. Whoa. Um, not great. <laughs> they are already on the East Coast. They're on an East Coast trip, starting with Florida, Tampa Bay, Washington, Carolina. All losses. They're they're kind of, you know, waiting for Philly to get home. And <laughs> I'm I'm just a little bit nervous that the Flyers come out flat after a road trip. If I just it needs to after the first period, the score's got to be at least nothing, nothing or one, nothing flyers. I don't want to see them losing because I don't want to see Arizona go back into some turtle shell defense and turns into a game where the flyers can't score or whatnot. Um, the first 10, 15 minutes are going to be interesting for me tomorrow night. Not that the I'm thinking the flyers are going to lose to must win game. It can't lose to the coyotes. Um, so I, I am just a little bit nervous to see how this game starts. That's all. Because if, if, if Rasmus Ristolainen levels Shane Goss's bear. It will be something else. Twitter will explode. I will love every second of it. It'll be great. If Ghost has a multi-point night and Ristolainen looks like an asshole, I will delete Twitter. <laughs> All right? I said I mean, it. I kind of would want to delete Twitter. I feel like that's a win-win for you. Yeah, it is, but I couldn't <laughs> fathom. I couldn't it's fathom. Like you wanted to delete fathom. Facebook, and then you came back in less than a week. I had yeah. to, though. We had to. We couldn't. We couldn't post the stuff. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> he's here with his arm twisted. He, that's the only reason why he's here. Yes. Um. Uh, yeah. It. All I want to see. I want to see an absolute win tomorrow night. I want to see four, five, six, nothing, six, one, whatever it is. And then uh, I want to see wars. I want to see battles. Away games versus Pitt and Washington. They're away for four of the next five after this Arizona game. I want to see. Uh, I want to see. I want to see war. You know, Sidney Crosby's back with with Pittsburgh's. They're never an easy game to play against. I want to see. I want to see battles. Washington's going to be another huge test for this Flyers team. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Let's. I just want to have. I'm not going to say. I just want to have fun. I want to be entertained. But I want to see W's. Even if they are to lose against Washington, I want to. I don't want to see them lose the way they did against Calgary. You know what I, I mean? Know this was a prediction, right? So give, give us your prediction, Jimbo. Oh, you want a prediction? 
Uh, do you want a real one? Yeah, go ahead. Give me the real one. Stanley Cup. <laughs> Man. Cam yeah. York and Morgan Frost get called up and hat tricks. Yeah, I'm gonna just go. I'm gonna go safe side and go uh, two and one, two and one. I'm gonna go with. Let me just oh, check out three and zero guys, three and zero. I'll be one happy. So I'll hear all the crow there is if, if that's ha- what happens. Here's the thing. Here's a, and this Pittsburgh's on a three game losing streak right now. They had, oh. they didn't lose three games in a row for I think at least a year. They didn't lose three games in a row all last season. Their next game. I mean, their last game was on Saturday against the Devils. Their next game is Thursday against the Flyers. So in typical NHL fashion, they have the Pittsburgh Penguins sitting around waiting for the Flyers for for four nights or three nights, whatever it is. And they got the Flyers playing Tuesday night, a day off after a road trip in Western Canada, set up perfectly for Pittsburgh to take the Flyers apart. I think they they might lose that game to Pitt, and they go out and they win maybe an overtime or a shootout against Washington. That's how I see it playing out. Yeah, hopefully they go three and zero though. <laughs> well, of course, Debbie Downers over here, both of you. How's that Debbie Downer? <laughs> Anything outside of eighty two and is Debbie Downer. But <laughs> <laughs> what do they got to go? Seventy nine one and one now, right? Or eighty one and one? They got one. They, to, they got two losses in regulation now. Two in regulation, one. one in overtime. Oh, they got okay. two in regulation. They lost to Florida. Do they? Yeah, yeah, the one okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, four, two, and one, yeah, all right, so I don't know what the hell it is now, 79, two, and one, that's what they got to go, all right, this week, seven, yeah, seven, two, and one. I hope, so. I hope so, get everybody fired up. The Eagles stink, the Phillies are way they stink, they stink, playing, Phillies stink, the Sixers don't have Ben Simmons or or anybody, Damian, no, the Lillard. Sixers do at have least, Simmons, which sucks. At least we're not the Montreal Canadiens. At least we're not the Canadiens. Because what? A, oh, my God. Could you imagine being a podcast for the Montreal Canadiens? That was us for like about. three years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Let's uh, on a pot. Let's leave this. Let's end the show feeling good about ourselves. At least we're not the Montreal Canadiens. Feels great. <laughs> and uh, Ken Atkinson is the man. He's he just is. awesome. Like, come on. Is. This is more of a difference maker than Jake Voracek ever was. Just saying it there, I said it. It is what it is. Good. All right, let's end it. That's going to do it, boys and girls. Thanks for hanging out with us. As always, the next time you'll watch us live will be for an HW post game show tomorrow night after the Coyotes game. Jack will not be on it because he'll be in the press box for the first time for HW tomorrow night. Press row. Stoked about that. Congratulations to us. And if uh, anybody that's going to be there tomorrow night is watching, come say hi. Let's make friends and hang out. Um, Yeah, so for Jack, for Kyle, I'm Jim. Eat your vegetables, take your zinc, take your vitamins, enjoy the rest of your day, evening, night, and we'll see you tomorrow. Go Flyers.